Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of God. And uh, appreciate you for coming back for our Sunday evening service. We're going to redeem the time to get started. We'll do so with prayer. I ask you to stand. Let's lift our hearts, our hands, our voices to heaven and listen back to His presence into this place. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege that we have once again to come into your house to worship you, to magnify you, to give you praise that you're so right and rightly, richly deserve, oh God. Father, we pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people tonight, that you yourself, as our praises would go up, that your glory would come down and fill this place, fill our hearts, fill our lives, oh God, in a way that only you can. I pray that this service would be saturated in glory from this opening prayer to the close of amen. You touch hearts, you touch lives, touch souls, God. Minister and meet the needs. Father, we're going to be careful to give you the honor, the glory, the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
never have to fill another one again. Amen. That's worth going to heaven for right there. Amen. Let's turn to page 180 and sing everybody. We'll be happy over there. Thank you. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond Where the saints birth shouts in the glory share Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forever Everybody will be happy over there
and there'll never be anybody like Jesus. Amen. No, not one. And again, let me say it's good to have everybody with us in the house of the Lord. Um, continue to keep the rain in prayers. I went over to the hospital to visit him uh, today after church. And uh, he had a very rough night last night. and um, A lot of pain. I'm not a medical doctor, but it doesn't make sense much to me if a man goes into the hospital on Thursday or Friday thinking having chest pains and having blockages with a history of heart problems to wait to Monday to do a heart cath. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me on that front, but again, I'm, I'm not a doctor. But I uh, was in a lot of pain, had a real restless night last night, and uh, just before I got there, he had had a lot of traffic in and out, couldn't sleep much, he had to have something for pain, the doctors gave him something and he had eased off it. As I was going in, uh, Sister Faye was actually going to the nurse's station. I tried to ask them to limit the uh, visitors and traffic in and out just so he could get some rest. And so uh, I walked in and just tried to uh, stay very quiet to, to pray for him uh, because I wanted him to be able to continue to sleep. And I did wound up rousing him up and waking him up and talk to him for just a couple minutes. Uh, but I've, I've been there in the hospital when you desperately want to get rest and you just can't because of everything else going on. But uh, we prayed for him and slipped out. Uh, so hopefully he can get some rest today. Uh, but looking at doing a heart cath tomorrow, don't know the exact time as of yet, but uh, we need to continue to remember him in your prayers. A praise report for Willie as I went to Thomas... To, to visit both he and Brother Ray, but by the time I got there, uh, Willie had been discharged and sent home. They had gotten his sugar down. It had been up at one point in time over the weekend, over 500, and uh, got it down uh, to where they feel, felt comfortable sending, home, sending him home. He's still battling uh, bronchitis and uh, respiratory issues, but uh, we're gonna be praying for his complete healing in his body. So continue to remember those needs as we pray. Pray for Brother Eddie. He preached pastor's appreciation this morning and is driving back home now. I uh, talked to him a little bit uh, this afternoon, just giving him updates. And I said, man, I said, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were a wore out preacher because uh, he's just sounded uh, extremely tired and uh, just the past several weeks have caught up with him. So uh, just pray for traveling mercies for him on the way home. And uh, be in prayer for, uh, I've shared with you briefly the other night about Cuba and about what God is doing down there. And uh, shared with you uh, what our plan is and, and getting them some, some help and aid. Uh, but uh, the pastor that I've been working with reached out to me last night and uh, shared with me, he said, because of the ongoing energy uh, crisis and situation there for the first time in their history that they have opened up the door to um, generators from outside uh, countries to, to be able to come in. They are still experiencing a gas uh, crisis, but not on the same level that they were um, about a month ago. 
but uh, he sent me a, a picture of a generator that he was looking at when they have services on Sunday night and Wednesday night. A lot of times they uh, don't have uh, ample electricity. They do have a small generator, but it's not enough for their sound and microphones. It only runs just a, straw, a small strand of lights. And uh, he sent me a picture, and uh, they had gotten some help from um, another church, uh, sending them some money for food and, and different things. But he wanted me to be in prayer with him for uh, God to open up the door for him to be able to get a, a, a generator. And there was a specific type that he needs that would be able to uh, run everything, his lights, the sound equipment, and everything. And uh, just... Uh, within the past two weeks, the money has come in that is really down to the penny what we need to be able to, to purchase the generator for him. But the problem is, is it's getting down there to him. And we found somebody uh, in Miami that uh, is taking planes back and forth right now um, uh, to Cuba. And we could, I could purchase the generator on Amazon and have it shipped down to that person in Miami and he could have that generator at his church within the next uh, 21 days. Uh, if we were to send it by ship, it would take months, and uh, only God knows if it would be able to clear customs. So uh, we're just praying that the Lord would be able to make a way. The cost to ship it is astronomical. Um, but the same generator, he said, on the black market there, uh, is about $9,000. Well, we could buy the generator for about 1000 and ship it to him uh, to, to get him what he needs, and it still costs nowhere close to that. But uh, just be in prayer that the Lord will provide. Uh, those folks are hungry, man. And I, I can tell you, just in talking with uh, the, the pastor, there, there's twice to where he's just shared with me what God has laid on his heart that he's preaching to his church. And... Uh, I replied with my notes from a previous message because I said God is speaking the same thing to me and uh, and shared it with him. And their churches, uh, despite all of the hardships, doing phenomenally right now in the midst of all the opposition. So just be in prayer with them and for them and uh, that the Lord would open up the door uh, to be able to get this generator down to them uh, where they can continue having church uh, in the night and, uh, and feel safe in doing so. So just make that a matter of prayer for us. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn with us to the book of Genesis. Again, we're going to finish what we started this morning. I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture, verse number 9. Uh, I can look at, look at you tonight and tell that uh, a lot of you are tired after a week of revival and uh, working all week, traveling all week. Um, so I want to be conscious of that tonight. I, I don't want to hold you too long tonight, but uh, I want the Lord to have his will and his way in this house and talk to our hearts and to our lives and preach this morning on the man God is looking for. And uh, we touched on one of those this morning. It was encouraged to have the lady that Kenny brought with him to church in the altar. And she was praying. I don't know the extent of what all God did in her life this morning, but uh, it's got to start somewhere in an altar, praying out to God. And uh, I can tell you, I 
I walked the aisle and prayed many times before it stuck. And God got a hold of me. You might have to, you might pray a thousand times and not get what you need. Or go back a thousand and one. That might be the time where it sticks. Amen. Amen. So thank God for her praying this morning. God was looking for the lost. That's really what we honed in on this morning. Uh, but there's four other types of men in Scripture that we can look at. And we can see that uh, God looked after, God searched for, and we're going to preach those tonight. Genesis chapter number 3, verse 9. It reads as this, And the Lord God called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Amen. Going to finish up the man God is looking for. Father, we love you tonight. We pray that you would add your blessings to the reading of the word of God. Anoint me even now to deliver what you've laid upon our hearts. And God, we're going to give you the praise, honor, and the glory for all that you do in our midst tonight. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen and amen. We preach this morning, God is looking for the lost, and it is an ongoing and exhausting uh, search as long as uh, we are in the dispensation and the time of grace. God is going to be looking for those. Uh, that, that are lost and allowing them to come in. We've mentioned since 1947, 1948, there is not one prophetic thing that has to be fulfilled for the Lord to come back. We preach the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. If something is imminent, that means that it could happen at any second. And that's what we believe, that the rapture of the church is imminent, that before we uh, draw the next breath, the church could be raptured out of here and we could go home to be with the Lord. And uh, the Bible said to them that are looking for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The only thing that's preventing and that's holding uh, the, the, the rapture of the church, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is his grace, is his long suffering to us or to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Until that day comes, until the trumpet sounds, God is looking for and searching for the lost. Amen. But as we move on, the, the man that God is looking for, there's four other types and classes and uh, groups that God is looking for. Specifically, it mentioned in Scripture that God is searching after or seeking for. The second group that we want to look at can be found in John chapter number 4. Verse 23 when it says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. In this hour, God is looking for men and women that will be true worshipers and worship Him. Amen. Our worship as believers, we, we dealt this morning with the lost and, and reaching for those that are undone and outside of the household of faith. But when we are born again and we are birthed into the kingdom of God, worship will be just as natural for the born again man is as breathing is for the natural man. It ought to be just as natural for us that have been birthed into the kingdom of God to worship the Lord and thank Him for what He has done, for who He is. Amen. It, it, it's just as natural for us as, as breathing is. Our worship should never be circumstantial or conditional. Our worship should be continual. Amen. As long as we have 
breath in our bodies, as long as we have blood coursing through our veins, our, our heartbeat, our uh, respiratory pattern, it should be one of worship unto God. Worship is, is not something that we just give with our lips, but worship is something that we exude with our life. Amen. Not just thanksgiving, but thanks living, living a life of worship unto Him. Worship should continue in our lives despite disappointments, despite despair, despite disenfranchisement. We should be dependable in worship. God ought to be able to depend upon us to worship Him. Amen. He ought to be able to count on us to be dependent worshipers. And I know that we all go through difficult times. We all go through trying times where sometimes we... Uh, we may feel that the world is on our shoulders and we don't feel that there's much worship in us. I like what Brother Eddie said a long time ago. He said there's two times that you ought to worship God when you feel like it and when you don't. When you feel like it and when you don't. Amen. That sums up every second of our life. Amen. We ought to be exuding worship unto God. You may ask the question, why should we worship? God is seeking such to worship Him. Why do we do that? Number one, because we're commanded to in the Word of God. The Word of God commands us to be worshipers. When it says in 1 Chronicles 16, give unto the, give, uh, give unto the Lord ye kindreds of people. Give unto the Lord strength and glory. Give unto the Lord glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of of holiness. In Psalm 66, it tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible or how wonderful art thou in thy works through thy greatness and the power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing. To thy name. Psalms 95. Oh come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalms 99. Let them praise thy great and terrible name. For he is holy. Exalt ye the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. For he is holy. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at His holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. The Word of God commands us that we should be worshipers. We should be dependent in our worship. And you can say, well, my life, amen, is not like David's life. David knew about depression. David knew about oppression. David knew what it was like for his life to be in the crosshairs of his enemies multiple times. But despite it all, amen, despite over a third of the book of Psalms being penned by the hand of David were cries for help and cries for relief and cries for avengement from his adversaries. The other two-thirds of the book of Psalms was praises in nature, giving praise and thanksgiving and offerings unto God Almighty. He said, I, I may not be able to control my circumstances and what I'm going through but I can be dependent in my worship of God I can be dependable amen I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth it was in the early portions of the book of Psalms when he wrote many of 
they increase which trouble me. Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. David knew where his help lied. David knew where his strength come from. And he said, oh, amen, I may be in the fight of my life and on the run for my very life. Amen, I'm going to run unto him and I am going to worship him. Oh, hallelujah. There's strength and power that can be found in our lives when we give ourselves over to worship of God. The Word of God <coughs> commands us Another reason why we should worry worship God not just because the Word of God commands us to, but because God is worthy of our worship. Oh, hallelujah. You see, we don't worship out of obligation or duty. You know, if the only reason we worship God is because the Word of God tells us to, then that's a shallow form of worship. If you only tell your spouse you love them because you have a contract written to them and it says that you have to tell them that you love them, there's not very much love there going on at all. You see, we just don't do it because we have to, but we worship Him because we want to, because we desire to. Because there's a desire in our heart to, to worship Him. Oh, hallelujah, because He's worthy of our worship. Oh, you, you see, our, our worship never should be continual upon what we feel or what we're going through. Because whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're down in the valley, God's still worthy of worship. Whether we're millionaires or whether we don't have two plug nickels to rub together in our jeans, can I tell you, He's still worthy of worship. Whether we're in a perfect bill of health or the doctor comes in and says you're in stage cancer with just hours to live, God's still worthy of our worship. Oh, hallelujah. Whether your family is perfect and you're a postcard family or your family is on the rocks and it seems like relationships are shattered into a million pieces, your worship of God has nothing to do with your family dynamics and what you're going through. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. God is worthy uh, despite where we are, uh, despite what we're going through, uh, despite what we're facing. Uh, and God says that He's seeking such uh, that'll worship Him in spirit and in truth. Uh, he's not just seeking those that are on the mountaintop uh, and those that have money in their pockets uh, and those that have a clean bill of health. Uh, no, He's looking for all men, uh, all women, despite uh, what they're going through in life, uh, that'll say, I will be dependable uh, in my worship worshiping God, not just worshiping Him at the time of the morning and the evening sacrifice, not just at the time when everybody else does in the church services on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day of my life will be marked by worship, marked by praise of the God Almighty. He is seeking such to worship Him. When we do present unto God worship, we shouldn't present God cheap worship, our imitation worship. You see, in 
Middle Eastern times, those wise men, when they brought gifts unto Jesus, and they gave unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, those were gifts that were fit for a king. Because it was customary in those days that when they would come and enter the presence of a king, that they would never come empty-handed. But they would always bring the best of the best that the king was worthy of. And they would present that as an offering. They would present that as, as an offering unto the king. So when these wise men come from afar, they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, cast it down at his feet. They were worshiping him. They were bringing him the best of the best. They were bringing unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, we know how valuable that is. Frankincense and myrrh, those were spices and incense that were very rare in biblical days. But the, the smell and the fragrance was a very potent, a, a very beautiful smell, a beautiful aroma that kings would, would have at their disposal. And these men, as they worship this newborn baby as the king of kings and the, the lord of lords, they said, we can't come empty-handed, but we're going to bring the best of the best and offer it unto him. Listen, when we come to God in worship, we shouldn't give him stale worship. And then we shouldn't just sing to him somebody else's songs. We shouldn't just give to him somebody else's lyrics and melodies. But when we worship God, oh, it should be a fresh, amen, a fresh offer of incense unto him. Amen, fresh. Amen, if he's going to give us fresh bread every day, if he's going to give us fresh mercies every day, if he's going to give us fresh touches every day, then we ought to present unto him fresh worship every single day day, not yesterday's worship, not last week's worship, oh, but a fresh batch of worship. When we wake up in the morning, we should present something fresh as worship unto God Almighty. He's seeking men and women in this hour, amen, that'll worship Him and bring Him fresh oblations, bring Him fresh offerings, bring Him fresh and newness every morning. Oh, my God, let us be such your people that will diligently be unashamed to worship him. We shouldn't come to him in empty. We shouldn't come to him bearing no gifts. But when we come, I make it a practice when I pray. I may have a petition 17 miles long urgent pressing needs and I need to get a hold of him. But when I approach the throne room of God before I ask for anything, God, let me love on you just a minute. Let me worship you. Let me praise you. Let me thank you. Oh, I, I know that I've got a petition a mile long. But Lord, you already know about the petition. Before I could even ask or think it, you already know what the need is. I can get far further if I could get into your presence and your presence come alive on the inside of me. That, that petition may take care of itself. But Lord, but before I do anything, let me worship you. Let me love you. You see, worship sets the tone for the rest of the prayer meeting. Worship sets the tone 
for the rest of the congregation with God. Oh, when we get into his presence. Uh, amen. He is seeking such uh, that will worship him. Not only is he seeking worshipers in this hour, but he's seeking those who seek truth. It says in Jeremiah chapter 5, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if they can find a man, if there be not any that executeth judgment, that seeketh truth, and I will pardon it. God is seeking for those that are seeking after truth. Amen. You see, in this hour, we have a very similar problem to what Israel had. In Jeremiah's day, when it said in Isaiah 59, verse 14, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. There was a point in time in backslidden Israel when the writers said that truth had fallen in the street. They no longer regarded truth. They no longer regarded the truth of God's word. Instead, they were seeking after vain things, ungodly things. They were seeking after idols. They were seeking after uh, money and wealth and things that would benefit them and establish an earthly kingdom for them. And all of that came at the expense of truth. To where the writer said that truth had fallen in the street. Can't we see a picture by and large of much of America today? To where now it seems that good is evil and evil is good. They'll give medals for those that champion social causes that goes against the word of God. And they'll want to send arrest warrants to those that stand up for truth. And stand up for godliness. Amen. In, the, in the, the nation of Canada tonight. It is illegal to stand in a pulpit. And preach against homosexuality. To where it will cost you thousands of dollars and fines. At the first expense. And jail to the threat of jail time. For any offenses after that. Just for simply preaching the word of God. Make no mistake about it. What happens north of the border generally filters down south of the border. Amen. It could very well be in our future to where we have to deal with that, to where uh, truth has fallen in the street and no longer are they concerned about the truth of, of God's Word. Amen. But they're just concerned with their own thoughts and, and their own truths and whatever uh, makes them feel good. Who would have ever thought that we would live in a day that we would champion a, a, a transgender male that was not good enough to swim with men of his own age, and so he just decides, I'm going to identify as transgender and jump over to the women's side and swim and place third at the NCAA National Tournament in their own cereal boxes and their own commercials and their own all kind of campaigns everywhere championing this transgender because of what they had done and what they stood for. He hadn't stood for nothing. Amen. He's a coward. 
that wasn't willing to do the work to compete with the men, so just jumps into the arena with women. Amen. That's not true, folks. That's nothing but a bunch of lies and a bunch of gar uh, garbage. It thrilled me at the NCAA National Championships that there was actually two women that put him in his place. Amen. I rejoiced and I championed them. Put them on some Wheaties boxes. Amen. Put them on some ESPN commercials. Amen. That's not truth, but yet that is what much of this world is flocking to. Oh, God help us. The woke police and big tech are censoring free speech. I can tell you truth is falling in the streets. If you do try to post something truthful on social media, you've got Facebook that's fact-checking you. You've got Twitter that'll remove Amen. And censor everything that we say. Amen. When God's rainbow stands for perversion instead of his promise, I can tell you the truth, has fallen in the streets. But despite it all, God has always placed a premium on the truth. And God will still honor men and women that despite all of the negative hogwash that's going on in this world, that prioritizes the truth of God's word, that prioritizes the truth of God's spirit and will say heaven and earth may pass away but I am going to anchor myself in the truth oh God of his presence of his power of his person of who he is God's looking and searching for those that is looking and searching for him because we know Jeremiah said, run to the streets, through and fro, and look for men that's searching for truth. You see, we could find something that Jeremiah didn't find. Because about 600 years later, truth was born. Because you see, truth is not a thing. Truth is not some inanimate object. Truth is a person. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. John 1 and 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, when Jeremiah was saying, you look for those that are looking for truth. Amen. We're able to report to Jeremiah post-Christ and say, we found him. Hallelujah. And we have a hold of him. Amen. Truth is not some idea. Truth is not broken down into absolute irrelevant, a relative truth. Amen. To where it's a big thing now. Nowadays in psychological realms uh, to push relevant truth uh, to where two people can see the same event uh, and report it two different ways uh, and both of them are true because they're speaking uh, their experiences and so both have to be true. Uh, I still believe uh, in truth and lies. Uh, I still believe that there is but one truth uh, in one way and that is uh, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not about what I think uh, or what I experience uh, and I'm not going against you and what you think and what you experience. I want to know Christ. I want to know the truth of His Word. And the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth always has been and always will be wrapped up, tied up, entangled up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's seeking after those that'll seek after truth. Yes. Amen. 
Fourthly, he's not just seeking after worshipers. Not just seeking after those seeking after truth. He is looking for intercessors. Searching after men and women that will stand in the gap. For it says in Ezekiel 22 verse 30, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand up the gap for me in the land that I should not destroy it. And here we read an indictment of four words against an entire nation. God was seeking after a man that would intercede on behalf of the nation. But the word of God says, but I found none. God was searching. God was looking for a man. But in all of the searching, he didn't find a single one that was willing to stand in the gap. In Ezekiel 9 and verse 4, the Lord said unto me, go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. One commentator said of that verse, when I sought for a man, I saw that there was a grievous breach made in the moral state and the feeling of the people. And I sought for a man that would stand in the gap, that would faithfully exhort Reprove and counsel with all long suffering and doctrine. But I could not find one. Here he's not talking about a politician. But rather he's talking about a preacher. The moral condition of the land was so deplorable at this day that there wasn't even a preacher that was preaching right that was willing to hear from God and deliver a message on behalf of God. And it says in Isaiah 59 verse 16, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, and it sustained him. Where are the intercessors in this hour that's willing to weep, that's willing to cry, willing to howl for the sins of our land. Because I can tell you God's looking for intercessors in America in our day just as much as he was looking for intercessors in the land of Israel in Ezekiel's day. We need men and women, prayer warriors, Oh, God, that's willing to steal away with God in prayer. That's willing to cry out on behalf of a nation and a country that seems to be etching closer and closer to hell and the spirit of Antichrist than they are inching closer to God and to a spirit of revival. Listen, it's easy to talk about what's going on in Washington. Talk about what's going on in our world. But it's something altogether different. To pray about it. And get a burden for it. I was reading a, a workbook that we were. We had a summer 
called it a summer camp with our, our leadership team at work. And there was a book that somebody recommended for us. And out of it, God dealt with me about a message. Never preached it. Never could really get it to burn. But uh, the Lord will help us at some point in time. I will. But the, the book was titled Catalyst. And being a, a catalyst that makes others around you better. The, the whole uh, premise of the book is that followed some sports teams and it followed some organizations that maybe there was a superstar in the limelight, but there was another catalyst on the team that maybe didn't get the recognition and maybe didn't get the glory and maybe didn't get the, the publicity and, and uh, all of the, the press and all of the uh, recognition, but it was simple that when they were on the court, when they were on the team, their team was better because of their presence. And, and, and they, the, they made the team around them better every time that they stepped on the court. And it brought out one uh, individual that was uh, simply, he, he would simply average about three to four points a game. And you would look at that athlete and you would look at his stat line and you would say that there's, uh, nothing really that, that stood out. They had uh, minimal uh, production from a point standpoint. But you would look at the, their, their team's performance when they were on the court versus when they were off of the court. And they would get about 10 to 15 minutes of, of playing time a game, but that, that 10 to 15 minutes, their team statistically performed so much better than they did when they were off of the court. And you would look at that individual and, and you would say that that was a positive catalyst. That their presence simply made the, the team better around them. That their, their presence on the court, on the field, that they upped the level of, uh, of production, that they made everybody else better around us. And I began thinking about the church world and relating that to where we are in the church. And God needs some catalyst for revival in this hour that just won't look back and say it's bad. It's gloom and doom and despair. It's hopeless. But God's actually looking for some catalyst that'll get under a burden for revival. That'll get under a burden for our country. That'll get under a burden for the church and say I'm not just going to curse the darkness and declare and preach what's wrong. Amen. But I'm actually going to do something to turn this thing around and make it right. It's easy to talk about how bad Joe Biden and the Democrats are destroying Washington. But they are where they are because of how rotten this country has gotten. They are the judgment of God on this country. They are the judgment of God on this world. Oh, God, help us tonight. And it's easy to talk about how bad it is, but it's a whole lot harder to get down on our knees and fast and pray until God raises up a Josiah that'll turn this thing around. Oh, God, help us tonight. And then there needs to be some intercessors. God is looking for men and women that'll stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Don't let it be said of us as it was in Ezekiel's day that he looked and he sought and he searched but he couldn't find one. But let him say 
say that in my searching, I found a church of intercessors at Bible Way. Oh, a church of Holy Ghost-filled prayer warriors that wasn't just cursing the darkness, but was spreading and preaching the light. And they changed the world and was a catalyst for revival. We need intercessors for America. We need intercessors for the church. We need intercessors for our families. The fact of the matter is, is if we don't reach our families, who is? If we don't get under a burden for our families, who is? Where are the Abrahams that'll plead? For the lots in Sodom. Pleaded with God. Begged God. Lord. Spare them. If you find 50. Would you spare them? I will. You find 45. Spare them. I will. 40. Yes. 20. Yes. 10. Yes. I'll spare it. He pleaded with God. And it was the prayers of Abraham. That got locked. Out of Sodom. Think about that. It was the prayers of the righteous that got Lot out of Sodom. It may be your prayers that keeps your children out of hell. It may be your prayers that keeps your grandchildren, your uncles, your nieces, your nephews, amen, out of a devil's fire. And God's saving them and sweeping them into the kingdom just before the rapture of the church. Don't quit praying. Don't give up. I said it earlier in church. You might have prayed a thousand times with no results. Pray a thousand and one. Pray ten thousand. Pray a hundred thousand. Ever how long it takes. Don't give up. Jim Val Val Vano dying of cancer, the basketball coach in the 1980s. As he was dying, he uh, met at the ESPYs Awards and gave a speech. And the last thing he said was, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Amen. That's words for this generation when it comes to the church. Don't give up because of what we see. Don't give up because of what we don't see. Don't give up because of what we hear. Amen. Or what we don't hear, but keep on praying. Amen. Who knows? It could be your prayers. This sparks revival. It was the prayer of two 80-plus-year-old women on the island of Lewis that brought about the Hebrides revival. One had crippling arthritis, and one was blind. Two of the most unlikely catalysts for revival, but hundreds of thousands were swept into the kingdom of God and the United Kingdom because of the prayer of an 80 plus year old blind woman uh, and an 80 plus year old woman uh, crippled with arthritis. Uh, they interceded uh, on behalf of their nation uh, and God answered and sent Duncan Campbell, uh, a man of God that preached uh, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, and thousands upon thousands were swept in uh, to the kingdom of God. Uh, don't give up uh, because you don't see it. Uh, don't give up uh, because you don't hear about it. Uh, amen at the most unlikely of times it may be them that God sends the answers and God honors the prayers of the intercessors and the prayer warriors amen we've got a generation of great tops that are dying and receiving their reward there has to be an Elisha that'll pick up the mantle of Elijah 
There has to be a generation that will pick up the mantle and say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? If they would just pick up the mantle and assume the responsibility, they would see that God is just as powerful for them as he was the prior generation. God did just as much and more for Elisha than he did for Elijah. But there had to be a man that would stand in the gap. Elijah performed 30 or 16 miracles. Elijah performed 32 miracles. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. But where was Elijah's successor? Gehazi was a prime candidate for it. But he got sidetracked. Sold after money and riches. And fame for himself. God smote him with leprosy because of his condition. When we read of Elijah's miracles, we read of Elisha's miracles. But where was the miracles of the next generation? There was nobody willing to pick up the mantle. I have an aunt with cancer. Going through surgery, we've been praying for her. But one thing about that lady, she's a prayer warrior. And my prayer, and she's prayed, she said, Lord, if you're ready for me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see you. But selfishly, I pray, Lord, we need her down here because we need all of the prayer warriors that we can get. God, we can't spare one. We need them praying and calling on the name of the Lord. God is still looking for men and women that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He's looking for intercessors. And lastly, I'm hurrying to a close. God's seeking after the lost. He's seeking after worshipers. He's seeking for those that are seeking truth. He's seeking intercessors. And he's seeking after men that are pursuing his heart. 1 Samuel 13 and 14, Samuel was speaking. And speaking unto Saul, he said, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. In Acts 13 and 22, along these same verses, it was referring back to David. And when he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. You see, God, the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? You don't know the depths of the depravity of your own heart, how far it'll go outside of the, the counsel of God and outside of the grace of God. And the heart being deceptively wicked on the, 
on the outside, an individual may look the part, may have the mannerisms, may have the outside man down to a T, but the inside of that heart be full of deceit, bitterness, jealousy, envy, strife, gossip, murder, the things we, we really don't want don't to even think about. There's a lot of things that goes on in private. People hope to God never comes out in public. But the Bible says of God that he searches and he tries the reins of the heart. Which simply means God knows absolutely everything that is on the inside of our heart. We might can keep it from everybody else. And there's, uh, it's amazing to me. God help us. To where you read of pastors that pastor churches. But all kind of ungodly sins are going on in the pastor's office. I heard of one situation just a couple of weeks ago that absolutely turned my stomach. Made me, made it just a sickening to me to hear that what went on for years inside of a church office with a pastor before it ever came out and was made public. You see, the church was called blindsided and had no clue. But God knew about it all along. He knows the intents of that heart. God knows what's there. You can hide it from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God. And God, if He sees all and He knows all, then He knows and He's looking for and searching for those that are seeking after and searching after Him. The word here that He has sought for a man it implies an intense search. One like the shepherd leaving the 99 to look and to search for the one that was lost. Or the woman sweeping the house until she found the coin. God was looking and searching for a man in such a manner. And, and we can find in Scripture that he found such a man in David. Was David a perfect man? Absolutely not. David sinned. David fell into sin. David was a murderer. David was a bloody man. As a matter of fact, because he was a man of war and a man of blood, God told him, he said, you're not going to build for me a house. He said, you can gather the materials and your son, your heirs can build a house, but you're a bloody man. That, that sin never departed, never uh, was a, a cloud that always hung over David. And listen, that's a, a powerful point for us to realize that yes, that we can be forgiven of any and all sins, but there are some sins that carry an ongoing price tag that'll hover and hang over. Amen. There are some sins that, uh, amen, we may be forgiven of and God removes it, but we still have to deal with the repercussions of it. David was such a man that had to deal with that. The Bible says of David being a man after God's own heart, not because he was a perfect man. But there were some specific reasons as to why, number one, his strict attention to the law and the worship of God. David wrote and penned the words, he said, On thy law I meditate both day and night. He was a man that lived his life meditating on the word of God, meditating on the law of God. And I don't have time to bring up and to rehearse all the verses that he spoke and that he penned about worship. 
But he was a man that loved the law of God. And he was a man that loved the worship of God. Number two, in his admitting the whole of his conduct that God was king in Israel and that he himself was the subject. This man had all power at his fingertips. He could have done anything, said anything, and that had been the law of the land. But when it come time in, in making decisions, we can read in 2 Samuel verses 5, when David came to Baal Perazim and the Philistines was, had launched themselves in the valley of Rephaim. That David acquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up? Wilt thou deliver them unto mine hand? David realized that his strength was not in himself, was not in his military, was not in his might, but his strength was in God. Hallelujah. He realized that if he was going to have one ounce of victory, that it was going to have to come from the throne room of God. And David didn't build himself up in pride and say, look at all of my military might. But before he took any action, before he went under war, he asked himself, or asked of the Lord, Lord, shall I go up? Every decision that he made, amen, on this front was made by God. He realized that while he might have had the title of king that there was a higher king a sovereign power over him and he wasn't so much concerned about him being on God's side he wanted to make sure that God was on his side and that God was going to fight the battle for him because he was willing to wait on God I told him said go call the name of the place Belperazim David wrote about a great victory. And the Bible's in verse 22, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley. And David inquired of the Lord if he had got it just brought a victory. Sometimes even Christians get pride and say, well, if God did it this way on this time, then he's going to have to do it again. That's not always the case. Just because God moved this way yesterday, He may desire to move a whole different way today. And He may choose to operate a whole different way tomorrow. It takes wisdom to know when to pursue, when to act in faith, and when to wait on God. David, same scenario. The Philistines came up against him. He inquired of the Lord. And the Lord told him, Thou shalt not go up. Yesterday, he told him to go up. I'm going to give you victory. Today, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them. Come up upon them over against the mulberry trees, and let it be when thou hearest the sound of the going ins of the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir themselves. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come. To Gazer. He was willing to wait on God. He knew where his help lies. Number three, he was a man after God's own heart because he never attempted to alter any of those laws of the law of God in which he meditated both day and night. He knew the law of God and even though ultimately he broke the law of God, he never tried to change the law of God. You know, if in the United States of America, we have a constitution. 
And if we don't like a law, we have the ability to go through the legislative process and we can get that law changed. But David had the wisdom to know, I'm not going to try to change God's law to fit my life. I've got to change my life to fit God's law. Oh, if we could just get that concept in this hour. To not try to change the word of God. There's 17,000 versions of the Bible. I'm being facetious. There's probably only about 6,900 and something. But every version, what are they trying to do? Change the word of God to fit them. When we need to change our lives to fit the word of God. I've got to hurry. In his public conduct, he acted according to the divine mind, filled the will of his maker, and thus he was a, ma a, a, a man after God's own heart. God is still looking for Davis in this hour. Kirsten, if you'll help me, I'm dying. Men, women seeking after truth. Men and women that'll seek after the heart. God Almighty. You know, if we're willing to pursue God's heart, God will give us his heart. The Bible says, let this same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. In the New Testament, the word mind and heart is interchangeable. The same Greek word covers both. So without adding or taking away anything from Scripture, it could rightly be read, let this same heart be in you. Let this same spirit be in you that was in Christ Jesus. People that are willing to pursue the heart of God. People that are willing to go after the heart of God. Listen, David, when the ark of God was at Obed-Edom's house and while it was in the, the land of the Philistines, David knew that he could sit there and just hope that the ark would come home. But that wasn't going to happen. David knew if he was going to have an encounter with the ark and the ark was going to return, that he had to get up and he had to pursue it and go after it. We can sit on the pew and hope, just hope, that God's going to pepper down revival on us. But every major revival in history happened on the hills of prayer when men and women were pursuing after God, pursuing after His Spirit. We can sit around and hope for our, our, our country, for the climate of the church world to change. And we can sit there and hope. Be like the days of Obama. He promised hope and change. Hope and change that never come. Or we can be a David, a man after God's own heart that'll forsake all and pursue after him wholeheartedly. For that man or for that woman that seeks after him, the word of God says, Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Ask and it shall be given. Hallelujah. 
God's looking for those that will pursue his heart. And for those that are serious, those that mean business with God, God will give us what we desire. Amen. He's looking in this hour for the lost. Yes, he's looking for worshipers. He's looking for those that are seeking truth, those that are interceding. He's looking for those that will pursue his heart. Five different men in Scripture. As specifically said, God sought after, God seeks, He's still seeking for today. I don't know where you are. Don't know what you may be battling, what you may be facing, don't know what you're going through in life. But I do know all of us, man, if we're born again, we dealt with that this morning. If we are born again, amen, we should have a heart and propensity to worship. We should have a heart given over to intercession. We should seek after truth. We should be pursuing the heart, the mind, the will of God, and absolutely everything that He do, everything that He's doing. God's looking and searching for those. How many of you tonight will answer the challenge and the call and say, God, I'm willing to pursue. I'm willing to go after. God, I'm willing to be that man that'll worship. I'm willing to be that intercessor that'll stand in the gap for my church, for my country, for my family. Amen. If that's you, I want you to meet us in these altars tonight. Amen. I try not to preach long tonight. We got plenty of time to pray. Amen. My prayer and my desire is that something would get a hold of our hearts. We dive deeper into God. Dive deeper into His Spirit. Dive deeper into His will. Be the man. Be the woman. God is searching for Don't let it be like Ezekiel where he said, I saw for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but I found none. But be the man God's looking for. Oh, hallelujah. Be the person God is looking for that will dare to be different. Oh, that will stand up and stand out when others are standing down. Oh, be that person to fulfill and accomplish the will of God Almighty. Hallelujah.
John the Baptist came of Christ and asked, said, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? God, I don't want you to have to look for another. I don't want you to have to search for another. God, may you find what you're looking for right here in me, in us, in this church. Oh, God, let us fulfill the roles that you're looking for. Willing to worship. Willing to intercede. Seek after your truth, not opinions, not commentaries, but seek after you. Seek after your heart, oh God. Father, there's a laundry list of needs in this hour. You already know them all, but we bring the list to you again. Asking you, oh God, to move, intervene, give miracles, oh God. Demonstrate your power in this hour. You're not a God that's dead. You're not a God that's afar off. You're not a God that's deaf or you cannot hear. Neither is your arms slack. Short where you cannot reach. God, I pray that you'd hear and that you'd answer prayer in this hour. Be with Brother Eddie as he travels on the road. Keep him safe. Lord, we're going to be careful to give you praise, honor, and glory for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen and amen. We love you, church. Amen. Thank you for those that were at revival every night this week. Amen. Thank you for those that helped in the back uh, feeding the evangelist and his family. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness today and tonight. May God bless you and for it. Check Friend, consider yourself dismissed.